0: On this week's show, Google kills off its marketplace, and Vendoo adds some features. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 208 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and we've got a little bit of reselling news on a handful of what sold items was not a very busy week last week. I've, I've been hearing that from a lot of folks. With it being the holiday, I did not expect it to be. Uh, if you're following me over on Instagram, I posted, I, I think I sold like 60-some listings last week, which is way, way down from what I normally do. But when I looked and compared it to last year, same week, I was only down $20 <laughs> for the week. So I'm going to chalk that up as a success. So let's get into this reselling news. News updates. Now, most of you know that I use List perfectly for my cross-posting, but there is another platform out there that does the same kind of thing. The program is called Vendu, and they announced some new features this week that I think will have their users... Pretty excited. So uh, they have announced a sale detection and automatic delist, which if you do a lot of cross-listing on a lot of platforms, can be a really, really handy feature. Vendu, they say, is a reseller's best friend. They're constantly adding new features to help you work more efficiently and scale and grow your reselling business. They are thrilled to offer sale detection and automatic delist. They will now detect sales and automatically delist your items from remaining marketplaces As they sell, they do have a a YouTube video that shows how that process works. I will, of course, link to this and all of today's news stories in the show notes and the video description below. Number one, it says in the marketplace connection screen, you would toggle on sale detection on the marketplaces where you would like Vendu to detect sales so you can actually tell it which sites you want this to be active on. Uh, Then you would say... You either connect or disconnect, and then that's it. <laughs> As your items sell, Vendu will detect those sales and automatically delist them from any remaining marketplaces that you have also selected. They will also notify you that you have made a sale. So it's a pretty cool feature. Uh, in your sales detection dashboard, you will see any sales that have been detected and automatically delisted by Vendu. It says, for example, they detected that these genes, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this on the screen, were sold on Poshmark and automatically delisted from other these other seven marketplaces where they were listed. This item will appear with a yellow warning symbol as it is pending sales details. Be sure to update your details for your inventory spreadsheet and analytics. Fendu sale detection and automatic delist simplifies the way you work and prevents you from double selling inventory, which is the big thing that most sellers are worried about when they do cross-posting is that they will accidentally fail to delete something from another site that has sold. I have done that on a couple of occasions because I do all of that manually. Um, Shame on me. I should have it all automated, but I don't. And it does happen from time to time. Most customers, generally speaking, have been pretty understanding. I have not had anybody get really nasty with me about it. It happens. They seem to understand that we're small sellers trying to do a big job, but uh, this would definitely help to eliminate that possibility. So to learn more about sale detection and automatic D-list, which is currently in beta, you can check out the Vendoo Help Center. There's a handy little link in that article. So if you are a Vendoo user, let me know in the comments below, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, is that a feature that you intend to use and are you uh, super stoked about it? The FTC is, once again, uh, looking at some stuff over on Amazon, though this is not really directed Amazon proper paying to sabotage a rival seller. The FTC wants to stop the practice and Amazon seller received a disturbing message from a buyer, which the seller posted on the Amazon discussion boards last Monday. The note said, hello, I just wanted to send something your way that I found rather interesting. I get solicited by Amazon sellers all the time to review their products, but never once have been, I have, have I been offered a commission to leave a negative review for a competitor. I'm not sure why you guys would be targeted this way, but they offered me money to leave a one star review for your product and then return it. I actually think your product looks good and I've always wanted to try a cold plunge, so naturally I refuse their offer. The picture is attached so you can see it. Thanks for your time. The seller said their rival was willing to pay $10 for a negative written review, $20 to add a picture, and another $20 if they included a video. <laughs> Uh, the stuff that people will do, uh, just unreal. Uh, They talk about in this article, the uh, infamous Amazon bribery case, which showed how far some sellers may be willing to go to boost themselves and or demote their rivals. Federal prosecutors allege that the defendants in this particular case had Amazon insiders delete negative product reviews from their own product listings and also cause fictitious negative product reviews to appear in victim sellers product listings to gain a competitive advantage and to settle scores. What's disturbing about this week's thread on the Amazon board is the number of sellers who seem to have completely lost confidence in the review system on Amazon. Sellers, they note, are not the only ones concerned with this behavior, the behavior of bad actors and their use of fake reviews, including fake negative reviews. So is the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. Last week, in a press release, they announced an effort to update its advertising guides to combat deceptive reviews and endorsements. The FTC said it was seeking content or comment, rather, on a number of proposed measures to fight deceptive practices. Man, I cannot talk today. (laughs) Uh, That include prohibiting prohibiting buying positive or negative reviews. The FTC wants more teeth when it comes to enforcement, saying that case-by-case en- enforcement without civil penalty authority might not be enough to deter clearly deceptive review and testimonial practices. So I I assume this is something that is sort of specific to Amazon, where you can review a product as opposed to reviewing a seller necessarily. So, But again, uh, the FTC has gotten involved in something over on Amazon. If you are a card seller, uh, eBay is going to hold their next collector's camp during Major League Baseball's All-Star Week. We talked about a couple of weeks ago they had done one of these events. They're, this will be their second collector's camp. It will take place in Seattle in time for Baseball's All-Star Week this month. eBay Vice President of Collectibles Gene Cook took to the social media platform LinkedIn to describe the inaugural event during the NBA draft week and to announce this second camp eBay Collectors Camps announced in June offer special training sessions for buyers and sellers of sports trading cards. Cook said the events are designed to level up participants' collecting skills with eBay's suite of tools and services, including the eBay Vault, the price guide and collection and authenticity guarantees. In addition to shooting hoops during the basketball trading card camp in June, Cook said we also had some legendary basketball trading cards and memorabilia at the event that fans could get. Up close with showcasing an unmatched inventory that everyone from rookie to experienced collectors can shop via eBay. He added in his LinkedIn post I now have uh, Michael and Sabrina cards headed to the eBay vault. Cook returned to eBay, it says, in the fall of 2022 after having first worked at eBay back in 2003 through 2015, leaving just prior to the breakup of eBay and PayPal. Uh, He heads this collectibles category globally, which is one of eBay's priorities in its focus category strategy that we've talked about on this show on numerous occasions. If you are a card seller, let me know in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, if this is an event that you would attend, if it was anywhere near you, if you happen to be in the Seattle area for uh, All-Star Weekend or All-Star Week, let us know if you're going to go and what you think of it. So selling stuff online apparently is really hard. <laughs> uh, I know we talk a lot on on all of these shows and the, the message boards and whatnot. We complain about the the platforms that we sell on, be it Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and whatever. But it's really, really difficult to do what they do at scale and be successful at it. And uh, if there's ever been any proof of that, it is Google's inability to be successful with it. Google is killing off their shopping marketplace. Uh, It was a market that allowed retailers to sell their products directly on Google. For a while, they say in this article, Google had a tiny Amazon inside of it. Some shopping results on Google had an add to cart button It ran their own marketplace. Shoppers could search and add products to a shopping cart and check out While browsing Google, so they never left Google, regardless of where the item was actually being sold from. They can still, the article notes, discover and compare products on Google, but Google is sunsetting the buy on Google checkout experience that allowed buying without having to leave Google. All shopping results will now link directly to merchants' external websites for checkout. In July 2020, in an effort to make this thing work, they reduced commission fees to zero to try to bring in more sellers. By the end of 2020, they noted it had attracted nearly 8,000 sellers who were primarily existing Amazon and eBay sellers. However, there likely was little sales volume. The native checkout experience they say didn't have a distinct and clear-cut value proposition. It was one of dozens of options inside Google's somewhat unfocused shopping experience. They they say that Google even considered launching a fulfillment by Amazon-like service, but by 2021. They had changed their mind. The marketplace was out and it was getting back to its roots as a shopping search engine. Google's then commerce president, Bill Reddy, said in a Modern Retail Podcast episode back in May of 2021, we are not a retailer, we're not a marketplace and we're not trying to be a retailer or a marketplace. What we want to do is make sure that on Google's, on a Google surface, the user can discover the best products, the best values, the best sellers and then seamlessly connect to those sellers. Most of the time that actually means Clicking out to that seller's own website It is not our goal to necessarily keep the user on our platform, which is a pretty big admission because that is they make money through advertising and showing advertising. So keeping users on their site actually would be in their best interest. But in this case, trying to run an actual marketplace where they process the payments just as they say, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for Google and they are shutting this thing down. Uh, They tried to become a marketplace rather than linking to these shopping websites because they thought it would be a smoother checkout experience. And more importantly, as we had just mentioned, Amazon had overtaken it as the preferred shopping search and Amazon's advertising business was growing faster than Google's. But as I just mentioned, their business model is ads. So they were essentially competing with themselves for revenue with those ads and then trying to run a marketplace at the same time. Most people probably don't remember, but this is not the first time Google has tried to do a shopping service. Back 20-odd years ago, they launched a service called Frugal, which was their first shopping effort. It has since tried to do more in shopping. It became the biggest advertising network for e-commerce and a search index of virtually every e-commerce website worldwide, which was originally the goal of Frugal as well. But the same Amazon sellers that tried it tried to use the buy on Google are now just using Google ads to drive traffic to their own Amazon listings. So it's, as I said at the beginning of that clip, it's very difficult to have an online marketplace. And despite all the negative things that we can find to say about the platforms, the fact that they are able to do it successfully when someone with the knowledge, expertise, and the financial bandwidth that somebody like Google has has not figured out a way to do it. Um, maybe we ought to give them a little more credit <laughs> uh, than we like to. So that's a that's about it for the news. Um, as I record this, the new uh, USPS Ground Advantage program is in place. I updated all of my listings this morning by updating my business policies, and it went absolutely swimmingly. It took less than five minutes for the updates to process, and everything went through correctly. The, I will link to my original video about that uh, or the podcast, if you're listening to the podcast, about what that program actually looks like and how it works. There was a lot of discussion on the YouTube side of that about whether or not eBay would actually roll it out correctly. As near as I can tell from all of the listings that I looked at, they did. The rates appear to be right. Uh, everything seemed to go very smoothly. You can let me know what your experience has been like uh, as you converted over to that With that all out of the way, let's talk about a few things I sold last week. So I don't have a whole bunch this week. Um, Mostly, uh, as usual, it's all kind of books and stuff like that. But I wanted to start with this kind of an unusual thing. I was at an estate sale a few weeks ago, and there were boxes and boxes of old sports programs primarily from the University of Dayton and some of the minor league teams around Dayton. Apparently at one time, Dayton actually had a professional basketball team in the World Basketball League. And one of the programs in this lot was the 1991 Dayton Wings Flight Path program was their game versus the Florida Jades. And it was the first game for both teams in that league. I picked up this whole mess of these sports programs for what it averaged out to about 5 cents a piece. This one sold for $13.99 plus shipping. I've sold three already University of Dayton football programs uh, for eleven eighty nine plus shipping. So I've already made my money back pretty much on the entire lot, and I, I don't even begin to have it all listed yet. So kind of be on the lookout for that. A lot of times you can really get these things things like this in big quantities for really, really low prices. I know an 11 or a $14 sale may not sound like a lot to a lot of you, but with those kind of profit margins from a nickel to $12, 13 $14 before fees, you can rack up a lot of money in pretty short order with that sort of thing. What else do we have here this week? Uh, an old book. Uh picked this up at an estate sale for a dollar. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's not really in that great shape. The dust jacket has pretty significant damage, but this book is fairly hard to find. Life in Colonial America by Elizabeth George Spear. It was part of the landmark book's giant illustrated editions. It's a 1963 hardcover with its dust jacket. Listed it for $24.99 plus shipping and sold it at full price. Another book, I was at an estate sale that had, I think I mentioned this sale maybe a month ago on this show. They had a lot of like German and foreign language books. And I I passed on most of them because I really just couldn't find many comps. But I did pick up a few of them. Here is one uh, in English. It's titled, I Saw How Nuremberg Went Under. It's from 1955. was written by Fritz Nadler. This was a trade paperback uh, about the events towards the end of the Second World War. This was in German. I had it listed for 34.99 plus media mail shipping. Got a watcher, sent out a 15% off offer, and sold it for $29.74. Let me know in the comments, if you're watching on YouTube, do you do, if you do books, do you do foreign language books and how do you do with them? In a lot of cases, I find it very difficult to find any or enough comps to really make fair judgments on what they're actually worth. So in, in a lot of cases, unless I can get them super cheap uh, because I'm concerned that I might get stuck with them, I will pass. There's a sale over on Etsy, The Canterbury Tales by Jeffrey Chaucer. This was a special edition from, I believe, the 1950s. It was published for the George Macy Company, um, now known just as Macy's, for those of you who are into department store history. Uh, This was published by the Heritage Press. It was a hardcover, uh, included the Sandglass Newsletter, which was a newsletter that came out with these kind of um, specialty books that the Heritage book club sent out. If those things are in there, it kind of enhances their value. This was in really, really nice shape. It sold for $29.99 plus media mail shipping. This was part of a lot that I bought for $1.15 a piece at a garage sale a couple of months ago. Uh, The sale I mentioned earlier with the sports program, there were also a handful of vintage automotive brochures in that. I sold one uh, last week from 1966. The Ford Thunderbird sales brochure from the Ford Motor Company was from printed in 1965 in really, really nice shape. I had this listed at auction at $29.99 plus shipping. I sold it last week and the guy never paid. (laughs) Uh, so he's blocked. Uh, so I relisted it and sold it again for the same price, $29.99. It's another one that I'm into for a nickel. It was part of that big lot of programs. So another pretty nice flip. Old owner's manuals from all kinds of equipment, electronic equipment, industrial equipment. I generally will go ahead and grab, cause again, you can usually get them for next to nothing and some of them bring pretty decent money. This is the Victolic Field Assembly and Installation Instruction Booklet. Uh, It was a pocket handbook printed in 1981. I have no idea what this equipment even does. It was part of a big lot of brochures and pamphlets that I'm into for about 10 cents. It sold for $29.99 plus media mail shipping. And this is going to be the flip of the week. This week, I just literally picked this up on Thursday I was at a garage sale, pouring down rain. Nobody there but me. <laughs> uh, and there, there was a box of books, and the box said twenty-five cents each. And in the box was this complete set of ten volumes of the Bible Story by Arthur S. Maxwell. These were printed from 1953 to 1957. They were in absolutely immaculate condition. Again, twenty-five cents a piece. So I'm into this thing, this set of ten for two dollars and fifty cents. I had it listed for $64.99 plus shipping, and it sold for $56 uh, plus shipping on an offer. So $250 into $56, I will do those kind of deals all day, every day. I need need more of them. (laughs) Uh, And that's about it for this week. There's just with the holiday and everything, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on in the news. Not a lot of sales activity. It took Tuesday, the actual holiday, July 4th, was virtually non-existent. I think I made one sale all day. It managed to extend my streak of never having a day since I went full-time doing this that I didn't sell at least one thing. But, man, it was close. <laughs> Uh, So anyway, I hope this finds you well. I hope sales are picking up for you. Let me know how things are going. Let me know what you thought of anything you saw in this show. If you found anything here today helpful, interesting, informative, or just kind of fun, please do me a favor. If you're watching on YouTube, whack that thumbs up button. If you're not currently a subscriber to the YouTube channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing that as well. And now, my friends, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys.